This is Garth from Lost, Massachusetts. For this episode, we are briefly broadcasting from an abandoned post office somewhere in rural Massachusetts. There are at least 24 post offices in Massachusetts that have been closed since 1900 and had their zip codes retired. We can send postcards from these places, but they can't be returned. In this episode, we are going to focus on postcards. Postcards from long ago, postcards from lost places, and postcards sent to lost Massachusetts from listeners. So sift through your old mailbox for some forgotten memories as we explore the world of postcards as they keep us tethered to our lost history. Hello and welcome. Before we begin talking about postcards, I need to discuss some podcast business. All positive, I'm not scolding anyone. First, I'm happy to announce that we passed 5,000 listens to the podcast. That may not sound like a huge number, but it's 5,000 more than zero. You have to get to 5,000 before you can get to 10,000. You have to get to 10,000 before you can get to 1 million. 1 million downloads. Honestly, I'm just happy that people who find these topics interesting have been able to get to the podcast, and they keep listening and continue to enjoy the content. Some even tell us about it. Vonzella F. sent us a message. This guy should be on NPR. Hmm. Our Instagram account, at Lost Massachusetts, is busy. This is where we post photos, information, brief blog entries, and links to the podcast. This is a great place to communicate with us and share your own Massachusetts history. In addition to our own account postings, we see many accounts for historical societies, specialty museums, and individual accounts with great unique images. Then we're happy to promote those. Feedback via Instagram. We've had a lot of people added as followers. We've had a lot of people through August and September appreciating our posts and making great comments about episodes. In particular, we've received quite a bit of interest in our introductory episode about Lost Dutch, Massachusetts. As I anticipated, many people were surprised by Massachusetts' Lost Dutch past as uh, New Holland and New Netherlands. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, I recommend you go back and do so because there will be follow-up episodes on the subject with more interesting lost details. Also on Instagram, Narragansett Beer used one of our photos of a Gansett can from August in their end-of-summer post, and that's really cool. Thanks, Gansett. By the way, if you follow Lost Massachusetts on Instagram and your account is private, we will not follow you back because we respect the privacy. So don't think we're being rude. Many of the accounts we follow back uh, are of history buffs and some people taking some awesome photographs of interesting places. On the podcast publishing itself, I have noticed that some providers do not enable the links in our show notes. This makes it kind of difficult for people to read more information and download maps of the lost places, 
not sure what I can do about this, but for those using services like that that don't have the links enabled, you can see it all in the blog for each episode on lostmassachusetts.com. I'm holding in my hand an old worn postcard with a beautiful painting of a stormy seascape. This postcard was sent from someone in West Dennis, Mass. to someone in Attleboro, Mass. in 1942. You can see this postcard uh, in the image for the episode and uh, the blog on lostmassachusetts.com. Let me read from the postcard. Dear Bibi, I am mailing you a little book I had sent to me after my operation. I think you can sympathize with the author and get a good laugh out of it and then pass it on to another victim, if you care to. Thanks for your note and card to me. Please don't overdo. Back soon better. I really got to the picnic, but the rain made it more of an ordeal. Much love from West Dennis, Cape Cod. In a short message between two friends, we see an open door into the past. You have one person who recently had surgery but was helped through it by a gifted book that made her laugh. She's alerting her friend that she's sending the book in the mail to her. She's also thanking her friend in a card for sending a card while she was recovering and asking her friend not to bother about it too much. There's also a reference to a rained out picnic with something that sounds like an apology. This is an incredible insight into a friendship from almost 80 years ago. I mean, how did I come across this card? Well, it caught my eye in an antique store over 20 years ago and I've been using it as a bookmark at various times. I think I paid 50 cents for it. Uh, Some may have seen boxes of such postcards at antique stores or flea markets. And people like me actually buy them from time to time. They often end up in shops after estate sales. Some people collect the old stamps on them, and the stamp from this one had been peeled off long before I bought it. What may be more interesting than people wanting to buy old postcards are the people who keep them in the first place. Each one is a memory with meaning to someone. The collection of postcards is called Deltheology. But first, where did postcards even start? Everyone should have a brief history of postcards at their fingertips. You can tell your friends these details, and you don't even need to credit me at all. What do we think about when we think about postcards, and where did they come from? Yes, they come in the mail, but how did they get started? Our postcards generally have a side with a photograph or image, and uh, there could be a message on there as well with some information. The opposite typically has an address on the right side with postage and then some message on the left side. Actually, if it's not formatted like this, the post office may not process it. People have been sending letters for centuries, but the ability to attach images to letters is fairly new. The invention of the printing press and later photography changed what could be put in a letter. And then what about the postage? People who know will be very quick to tell you that the first postage stamp was issued in England in 1840, known as the Black Penny. It had an image of Queen Victoria and cost, well, a penny. 
But of course, what did people do before postage stamps? Mostly they paid couriers directly to deliver documents, and it was the recipient who paid, not the sender, whenever the letter arrived. Post costs were expensive and usually priced by distance. So imagine not expecting a letter from very far away and then having to pay for it when it arrived. Doesn't sound like a good arrangement. This scenario led to some interesting uses or misuses of the system. Senders would sometimes put coded messages on the outside of the envelope, only understood by the recipient. The recipient might look at the outside of the envelope and then say, I don't want to accept this letter, refuse it, and send the courier packing without paying. It may seem odd to us now, but in the earlier days of postcards, they were heavily regulated. Huh? There were restrictions about who could print postcards, who could send postcards, and how they were formatted and even who was allowed to use the term postcard. Lost Massachusetts generates all the postcards we send out, but there was a period of time when this would have been completely illegal. It wasn't until 1860 that the U.S. government even allowed private cards to be mailed. Before that, only the government could print postcards. The event that really sent postcards on its way was one of the most significant events in the 19th century. The 1893 World Columbian Exposition in Chicago. The scope and wonders seen at the exposition wouldn't be believed by people back home, except that it was possible to buy the first commercial souvenir cards there. After this, the golden age of postcards began. It was cheap and fun, a great form of communication, a way for people to brag about the places they had been and stay connected. The global use of postcards called for the international postal bodies to form international standards for postcards. However, with the growth of all the other techno fads in our loud modern era, the postcard is slipping. So why does Lost Massachusetts send postcards? Why do we welcome and accept postcards? There are many reasons. One is that this podcast is about lost history. We've lost touch with the communities and places covered in the podcast. This somewhat archaic communication harkens back to the times when these communities existed and attempts to replicate a method of communication that may have been once one of the few or only ways people in these places could communicate with somebody at a distance. But of course you might wonder why with all the digital platforms available would somebody send postcards? Well that's the point. While we have some amazing technology that creates convenience, there's too much of it and it doesn't always feel special. Postcards have always been special and continue to be. Even beyond being better than email or texts, most of the paper mail people continue to receive are bills, catalogs, and flyers. Isn't it great when somebody sends you a postcard? Postcards are also a perfect medium for us to capture a quick version of our stories about the lost places covered in the podcast. There is a picture of the place, a description of the history, and directions to it. 
You are actually limited in terms of space and scope. It forces one to tell a story in a focused way. It sharpens what is presented into one image and one brief set of facts. Consider this as well. There are no photographs of what the pyramids looked like when they were first constructed. But there are photographs of what some Massachusetts towns looked like 150 years ago. If you are lucky, you can uh, go to the places in these old photographs and it might still look exactly the same or similar. You might be able to go to the place in the photograph and imagine being there 150 years ago. Just don't get run over by a horse and carriage while you're dreaming. What people put as an image on the postcard also gives us an interesting view of what is important at any given point in history. For example, I'm sure everyone has probably gotten or sent a postcard with a picture of the Eiffel Tower on it. The tower in Paris is one of the most photographed objects in the world. But the point of the tower was to let people see their city from high above, which was a wonder of its own, and not so much about the tower itself at the time. This is the same reasoning behind Ferris wheels in old traveling carnivals. It let people in rural communities see their town from a bird's eye view, something we take for granted with easy access to detailed satellite pictures of any place on the planet. The last and most important reason for the postcards is to reach people who can't listen to the podcast. What? Yes. Believe it or not, there are many people out there who do not have computers and do not have smartphones. There are other people who do have this equipment but don't know the first thing about podcasts or social media. Some of the people who receive the postcards from Lost Massachusetts have never heard the podcast but they love and anticipate the postcards. I've met some of these people in person and they look forward to the postcards from Lost Massachusetts. It may seem a little odd, but this could be the first podcast that is also on paper. And not only do we send out postcards from our Lost Massachusetts adventures, we get them from listeners as well. I have one right here uh, that has a picture of Mount Washington, specifically the Mount Washington Auto Road uh, from the 1950s. The picture has a classic station wagon from the 50s about to make its trek up the mountain. This card was sent by Pooch, that's P-O-O-C-H, and he writes on on the card, Top of the World, Regards. The card has a standard message and uh, a count of the number of times the car has driven up the mountain. According to this card, it's their 11th trip. For those who haven't been to Mount Washington in New Hampshire, it's a strange place that's worth a visit. As indicated by uh, the car, you can drive to the top of the mountain, which many people find shocking and a bit lazy. You may have seen bumper stickers that say, this car has been to the top of Mount Washington, and it's true. Not only can you drive, but you can also take a cog rail to the top. The cog rail is a train that drives up the mountain on a special track with gears or cogs, with the teeth of the wheels driven by a coal-fired steam engine. That's the way up. On the way down, they let gravity do the work. I've done this, and it's totally worth the trip. I'll put links in the show notes along with pictures of the card uh, that was sent to us. Be prepared. You can go to Mount Washington in the summer, 
be sweating at the foot of the mountain and then you'll find it snowing at the top. Mount Washington has some of the most extreme weather events anywhere in the world because of its location. I'd actually forgotten about some of these details until Pooch sent the card to the show. And yes, you can also hike the mountain. People hike the mountain and, and camp there. So you can send us your postcards from a lost place. You can go to lostmassachusetts.com and sign up to get one of our postcards from a lost place. And we've got postcards from all of the lost places we've covered in the show. And uh, if you want, through Instagram or through the website, you can send us uh, images of old postcards that you have that you think are interesting. We'd love to see them. And, oh, just to give you an idea of what you'd be getting if we hear from you in the near future, you will get a postcard from our Mother Brook Long Ditch episode in Dedham. That excursion up this mysterious and uh, winding section of the Charles River. And, uh, of course, as always, within that postcard, there will be a history of the location with directions and the great picture. So, I would tell everyone to put down the phone and pick up a pen to bring back this disappearing art of postcard writing. And it is an art. Much like a haiku, you only have a brief space to get a meaningful message across. And actually, there's an idea. Put a haiku in a postcard. Maybe you can say, I wish you were here or something, because it's a great view. recording here at the lost post office I found a bag of undelivered mail can you believe it I'm gonna start going through this bag and maybe your postcard is in here next time we'll be giving you a preview of the upcoming season two of lost Massachusetts and a little retrospective of our first season. Until then, this is Garth in the Lost Post Office saying, it's always 1928 somewhere. Hey, if you like the show for some reason, there are lots of ways you can join the fun or get a hold of us. You can message Lost Mass through the podcast apps on Anchor. There's a voice option. Or you can go to lostmassachusetts.com and subscribe to our blog. Or use the various methods there to contact us. If you go to lostmassachusetts.com, you can also sign up to get a postcard from a lost place. And find out where to send us a lost postcard too. Also, go to Lost Massachusetts at uh, Instagram for photos and other details. We will do our best to respond to comments uh, directly uh, as well as within the show. You might hear um, your own comment. That's fun. <laughs>